Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. It is your host, Lestrandra here, and I am so excited to be joining you for another week of content here in the Balanced Black Girl universe. So before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to share a little announcement with you, and that is, in case you missed it, our February book club pick will be Well Read Black Girl. So it is an anthology or collection of writing and short stories from several really, really inspiring women. I recently started the book just a couple days ago and have been loving it, loving hearing these women's voices, loving hearing their perspectives. And I really think that you're going to enjoy it as well. So if you are interested in hopping into the Balanced Black Girl Book Club, grab yourself a copy of Well Read Black Girl. We will have that linked in the show notes for you. And read along with us. Make sure you tag us on social. Uh, use the hashtag BBG Reads so that we can connect with one another. And for my Seattle peeps, be on the lookout because we may be having another book club community meetup. If you are new to following Balanced Black Girl, you may not know that we do a regular book club. We had a December-January pick, and that was Becoming by Michelle Obama. And then some members of our Seattle community had a meetup with myself. That was really, really wonderful. It was a great opportunity to connect with one another, to talk about the book, and to just talk about life. And it was so, so much fun. I loved having the opportunity to take this community offline and create some more in real life experiences. We would also love to have that expand to other cities as well. I want to get a few more under my belt here in Seattle so that I can kind of get a a groove going, but we would also love to spread the balanced black girl love in other cities as well. So even if you're not in Seattle, definitely still read along, definitely still interact with us on social. Normally we discuss the book in our Balanced Black Girl podcast Facebook group and stay tuned because you never know, we might be popping up at a city near you. I also realized it's been a while since I've read a review of the week. For a while there, I was reading a review of the week every episode, and I kind of (laughs) fell off with it um, around the holidays. But we have recently gotten some really, really wonderful reviews that I wanted to spotlight here on the show. So this review says, When I first heard this podcast, I cried tears of joy. This conversation is one I've wanted to have and listen to, but I've had no one to share with because of a lack of diversity in wellness. I'm tired of being in the background. WOC deserve and must fight to be front and center. Can't wait to see how this conversation continues and how women in the wellness space come together. Our time is now. Thank you, Les, for lighting the fire. So thank you so much for leaving that review. And if you have not yet left a review for us on iTunes, please do leave a rating and a review. It really helps the show. It's how people find us. I can only do so much to to really get the message out and to get the show in front of people. But really, with you sharing, rating, and reviewing, it goes such a long way in helping the community. 
And I really, really appreciated that review. And I do want to say I have a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I don't think that there is necessarily a lack of diversity in the wellness space to say that there aren't women of all different backgrounds doing incredible things in the wellness space. I think that there's a lack of amplification in the wellness space. So there are actually a lot of incredible women from diverse backgrounds doing incredible work. We just don't hear about them because they don't necessarily get the same spotlight on a lot of mainstream platforms. And that is really the goal of Balanced Black Girl is to give those people a voice to introduce you to people who you may not have known otherwise who can maybe represent present a a perspective in wellness that relates to you. So we are really excited to continue diversifying wellness content, but it's really only because of the incredible women and women of color who are already doing amazing things in the wellness space. We're really, really happy to give them a platform to continue to shine. That's what we're all about. So let's dive into today's interview. This interview is literally such a refreshing conversation. I have to tell you, after finishing the interview with today's guest, Michelle White, I literally was just in the best mood. (laughs) She was just such a breath of fresh air. We had such a great dynamic conversation about self-care and what that looks like, especially for women of color, how it's different, how we can make it more approachable, how we can make it truly work for us. You know, the things that we are truly taking care of ourselves for that might be different from our counterparts and, and how to address that. I mean, she just was so, so lovely to talk to, had so much incredible information. I learned so much. I got so much great advice and tips that I've since kind of applied to my own life and to my own self-care practice since speaking with her. And I know that you're going to enjoy listening just as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. So let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Today, we're talking to Michelle White self-care blogger and author of the guided self-care journal, Self-Explore, Self-Restore. Michelle created her website, gmichelle.com, to offer space for folks to practice self-care regularly and strengthen their self-love. Michelle is a licensed social worker in the states of Illinois and Georgia. From her experiences in providing clinical services, technical assistance, and training on interpersonal trauma, domestic violence, and child abuse, Michelle understands how difficult it can be to practice self-care on a regular basis. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Interviews are my favorite thing, so I'm so happy to chat with you today. (laughs) Wonderful. Yes. Um, And for everyone listening, just for some background, um, Michelle is yet another incredible woman that I connected with on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as I found her account, I just love and admire her work, and I'm really excited to dive into our self-care discussion today. Yay. Thank you so much. Yes. So, as I kind of said in our intro, your background is in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, did your work in this area lead you to the self-care space? And can you tell us a little bit more about what that journey was like for you? It sure did. I, when I started working full-time as a social worker in the domestic violence field, I had no concept of what self-care was. Mm. I dove into my work headfirst. I was a children's counselor at a domestic violence agency. Um, And so I went headfirst into the work, 
going to the office early, leaving late, not having great boundaries with myself in terms of time management um, and working with my clients. And it actually took one of my child clients to look at me, you know, during one of my sessions and say, Hey, Michelle, are you okay? Oh my gosh. Um, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) To notice that I really wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. Really during the first few weeks of my full-time work, I was physically exhausted and I was actually sick for most of my first few months of work, Mm -hmm. but I didn't go to the doctor. I really minimized what was going on with me physically, um, and it showed. And I think one of the things that really led me into this work, especially when thinking about women of color, Mm -hmm. is that we really try our best to show up every day as superwomen um, and completely deny or minimize or ignore we're not feeling good. Yeah. Um, that was one of the main things that led me to focus a little bit more on self-care. Yeah. I think that that is such an important point that you bring up that I know is relatable to me and I'm sure for so many black women is, is that need to kind of always push through, always kind of put on the, the strong front for everyone mm-hmm. else that checking in with ourselves and asking, are you okay? Either physically, mentally, emotionally is so exactly. important. Mm-hmm. So let's say a woman has heard a lot about self-care online because it is one of those things that a lot of people are talking about it. It's really picking up a lot of traction. Maybe she doesn't fully understand what it is or where to start. Or maybe she feels like, you know, she's dealing with so much in her life that taking care of herself just doesn't even feel um, like a possibility. How would you describe self-care to women who feel this way? And how do you recommend that she or someone like her start creating their own self-care practice? Yes. I I give self-care a really simplified definition as just the intentional practice of taking care of your needs. Mm. And so when you share that, you know, there are a lot of women of color who are incredibly busy fulfilling many, many roles and responsibilities. It's very common to hear, I don't have time, or I actually need to put other people in front of myself. Yeah. So when I think of self-care for, I think that's like the average woman, mm-hmm. um, I really think of just identifying what you need and starting to take care of that need. Yeah. So, It's a process, right? Uh, And again, coming back to my own experience, I had to realize I was exhausted, realize that I actually needed medical care Mm. um, to actually get it. So I would say the first process is, A, what is it that you need? Are you really, really tired? Are you noticing you just don't have time to do things that you want to do? You know, whatever that need is, identify it first and then take one step, just one one step it can be however big or small to start fulfilling that need so you know again because being tired is something that comes up so much you know is there any way any way you can get an extra 20 minutes of sleep mm-hmm. that would be kind of one of the first places i would start with thinking about self care in that way or of course we talk about wellness right um so in terms of physical self care is there any way you can get in a 5 minute walk you know, in, like after lunch, can you take a five minute walk around the block? So it's definitely a two part process of identifying your needs and then taking a first step to start to practice that self care. 
I love that explanation and that definition because I think that makes it approachable for anybody. I mean, self-care, like anything else, can easily be turned into a commodity or something that Mm -hmm. feels like a luxury or like you need to have a lot of money to do it or you need to have a lot of time to be able to go, you know, go to a spa or go do these things that can feel really just out of reach for people. But making it that simple of, hey, what do you need? And, and really being honest with yourself about that. I think that's something that everyone can start with. Absolutely. And it's okay for us to speak on this, but I think a lot of women of color even see self-care as a privilege, mm-hmm. um, as something that only people who have privilege can do and complete. Yeah. And I would agree with that, especially with the types of self-care we see in the media and that we see are trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay for us to speak on that yeah. and recognize that, that self Self-care is a privilege for some folks. Mm-hmm. So what can we do as women of color to tap into self-care ourselves and yes. to have access to it? Sometimes it means looking at it a little bit differently even um, to see that, yeah, we can practice self-care too and we're deserving of it. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's such an important point. And I'm actually really glad that you said that because that's something that I often think about as mm-hmm. well. I love that. And for Black women specifically, What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles or challenges we experience when it comes to practicing self-care? I I actually wrote about this recently in my blog, Mm. just touched on it. Um, I think there's this understanding that as a Black woman, if I practice self-care, I'm choosing to be selfish Mm. or I'm choosing to be self-indulgent. And I, I love to say before we jump to judgment, because trust me, we are so good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, judging is something that we're so easy to do. But instead of jumping to that judgment, I like to be curious about where those thoughts are coming from. Because again, we have a history that's very significant in our mental health care, in our emotional care, physical self-care, that relates to us not having access to self-care. So we're just generations removed from our ancestors who were not treated as humans. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah. And so we, it is. So we have this historical and generational trauma uh, and again, not having access to self-care. So we're learning how to be worthy of self-care uh, and how to be deserving Uh, of being able to take time to take care of ourselves. Those are ideals we have to take in. And that takes time. So I think that's something that comes up really often with African American women. And again, before we jump into the judgment, let's be curious about where those thoughts are coming from. Mm -hmm. and What would we like to do to change them? Mm. Curiosity, I think is, I, I just, I love that word. I love that idea. Because I know I personally will feel a sense of either shame or guilt if I'm having kind of negative thoughts or negative feelings of why do I feel that way, you know? And I think really asking those questions instead of like berating ourselves for the feelings we have is so important. Absolutely. And I think guilt is one of the most attention hogging feelings we can have. Mm -hmm. And especially with working with survivors of domestic violence who were women of color, I think that guilt showed up so much in just trying to even just thinking about either leaving the relationship or ending the relationship. And it was my pleasure to talk to women about, well, are you deserving of something better? 
Mm-hmm. And do we have access to safety to get it? Yes. Uh, and those conversations came up a lot in my work. It, it inspired me to really talk about self-care in this very concrete way, uh, unafraid way mm-hmm. that, yes, we have so much that shows up for us when we try to take care of ourselves as I'm, put, I'm putting quotes up, you know, mm-hmm. um, as easy as it seems to just take care of yourself. There are so many barriers that prevent us from doing this on a daily basis. Yes. Gosh, yes. Can you walk us through what some of those, some of those barriers are for people? Sure. Of course, I think time, you know, we have 24 hours in a day. That, that's, that seems like a lot of time. A good chunk of it is spent sleeping. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, should be. Of, it should be, right? <laughs> if, we can, if we can manage it, you know, and then we spend a lot of time in our professional settings that also takes up a lot of time. So when you, you know, and then you include a commute. I, I live in the metro Atlanta area. Mm, so self-care yeah. is number one when thinking about commuting yep. um, with all of the traffic we have in the city. Mm-hmm. So it's really about thinking about your time and where and when can I practice self-care in the limited time I may have. Um, and so I know that comes up a lot when talking about barriers to practicing self-care. Yeah. Another one is not practicing self-care in a way that's sufficient for your needs. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about that intentional practice, it's that two part, you got to identify the needs and then find a practice that fulfills the need. Sometimes we're not finding practices that are fulfilling enough. Um, I see this a lot with dieting culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we may have a need or a goal to change our bodies in a physical way, but that practice of doing it, You know, we're jumping on trendy diets that actually don't match what's going on with our bodies. Uh, You know, we're trying our best to exercise, but we're not learning what our bodies need um, to feel better or to feel that wellness. So sometimes that two-parter is not completed. Mm -hmm. I think those are the couple main barriers that I see when trying to practice self-care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that those are huge and so relatable. And recently, I don't remember if it was an article that I was looking at or an infographic where it was talking about time and the connection between time and privilege that was really interesting, where we see those memes of like, you know, you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. Maybe, but Beyonce also has the means to outsource a whole lot of things that the rest of us can't outsource. So we have the same 24 hours, but we have to use them a little differently. Absolutely. We do. We do. That's such a funny meme. I've seen that one too. It's like, now hold on. If we're ever at a place to compare ourselves to Beyonce, let's go ahead and pause. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And so for self-care, you know, a topic that really goes hand in hand with self-care is self-love. And I think that sometimes for women, that can be really, really hard to achieve. Um, So for the woman who is struggling with self-love, what are maybe some things that she can do from a self-care perspective to start feeling more kind of love and compassion for herself. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite topics. I was just smiling as you were talking. (laughs) I think when it comes to self-love and having a healthy relationship with yourself, I think starting with self-awareness is one of the best ways to go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kind of being a student of yourself, a student of self-discovery, discovering what you love about who you are, what you really like about who you are, what you're proud of, what makes you feel brave. 
Um, some of these are journal prompts that I actually included in self-explore, self-restore. Uh, again, as a process, because we all didn't always have access to loving ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's a journey sometimes. And when we think of those concepts like self-love, self-compassion, self-discovery, self-awareness, it all comes from, you know, being able to reflect on what is your relationship with you. Uh, I, I say this a lot because, I, and I get funny faces sometimes when people say, my relationship with myself, what do you mean? It's the first relationship we ever really have. Yeah. Is the relationship we have with ourselves, how we treat ourselves, um, how we spend time with ourselves, you know, when we talk about the concept of loneliness even. So, uh, and again, this comes from my work with survivors. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a number of survivors from many different cultures and ethnicities, yet this theme of loneliness and not being connected to self continuously came up when we talked about experiencing abuse. Um, and so I was real, I was like, well, wait a minute. I think this can relate to anybody, even if you haven't experienced abuse to want to work on developing that relationship with yourself. And so I'd say any way that you can start learning yourself better, learning your likes, your dislikes, you know, what you love about being in friendships with other people, what makes you happy, just starting to be a student of yourself is a great way to start building your self-love. Oh, that is incredible. Being a student of yourself. I think that that's, I think that's so, so powerful because at least, I mean, here in the United States, when we think about kind of the ways that we're raised or the systems we're kind of born into, it's all based off of external feedback. You know, when you're a child and you're in school and you're graded, I mean, it's all just constant external feedback and seeking validation from other people. But I think being a student of yourself, I love that. Mm -hmm. So powerful. And I also think too, you know, for black women specifically, it's really powerful. Not that, you know, I think that black women struggle with self-love more than anyone else. I don't think that's necessarily the case, or I'd, I don't, I would never make a generalizing statement like that. But I do think for us as black women, we have to be even more in tune with ourselves, mainly because we still are living in a society that really caters to standards around whiteness in so many ways, white standards of beauty, white standards of, you know, their generational wealth and patterns that for us being really centered into who we are is incredibly important. Yes, it is. And recognizing when we're not filling up those spaces. I, mm -hmm. I think that's why, Les, your podcast is so significantly important to women of color because you're helping fill space for us. Mm -hmm. We're still, again, we're vulnerable yeah. in a sense because yeah. there's a lot of different spaces that exclude us. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes the self-care space. Yes. There's a, I, I had to look up the definition of manifestation. Like I didn't mm -hmm. even know what that was because I didn't hear women of color talking about it again, mm -hmm. being very transparent. Yeah. Uh, but I did see a lot of my white friends in the self-care world talking about this concept. And I'm scratching my head going, I wonder why women of color aren't talking about this more. Mm -hmm. Because there's been more space to talk about that in more mainstream culture. Yeah. So we, we're just creating our space yes. and we're confidently doing it. That's the mm -hmm. best part. That's the hopeful part. But we're still very cognizant that, you know, black women, women of color, there's a lot of spaces in the wellness world that we don't occupy yet. 
Mm-hmm. But we're doing our best to get there. Yes, we are absolutely getting there. And I love that you brought up manifestation because um, I, I remember seeing a post from Rachel Cargill. I don't know if you follow her yes, a little while back yes. where she said, did you manifest it or was it white privilege and yes. the importance of understanding the difference? And I think mm-hmm. that question is kind of part of that answer as to why you, you don't hear women of color talking about manifestation as mm-hmm. often. Yes, I, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think our white friends can definitely be mindful of as well, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think um, that kind of goes into like that self-awareness piece from their perspective that's really important mm-hmm. to have. Like self-awareness is important for all of us, but what we're looking to be aware to will be a little bit different. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, so I love that on your blog, you also have an entire section dedicated to relationships and you have a lot of great posts there with great resources about fostering healthy relationships. Can you talk to us about how having healthy relationships kind of factors into our self-care and what we can do to strengthen this area if it's something we're struggling with? Sure. I, there's so much that goes into having healthy relationships I think healthy relationships take a lot of energy and work. Um, Not to say that unhealthy relationships are effortless. Let's not say that either. Mm -hmm. But we're definitely recognizing that to have a healthy relationship with yourself and with others, you've got to put that work in. You've got to do your work and you've got to recognize what comes up for you. I like to call it your invisible luggage, Mm -hmm. um, that every adult person is carrying invisible luggage. We've got stuff in it, memories, experiences, and some of us have traumas in our luggage. And to take the metaphor even further, you know, some of us have it organized. Some of us do not. Yeah. Some of us have things missing out of our luggage, okay? There's a lot (laughs) of things going on back there. But the thing about relationships is every adult person is carrying their experiences with them, and then they're meeting another adult who also has experiences. And so it's a lot of things can happen there and adults trigger each other, Mm. whether intentionally or not. And so it's important again, when you have that relationship with yourself to try your best to recognize what comes up for you and what you want to do about it. You know, what I've learned, especially in the domestic violence field Mm -hmm. is there can be triggers all over the place. Mm. And if you didn't have a place to learn what to do with those triggers or if you're in relationship with someone who may intentionally try and be harmful to you, mm. it can be very difficult to manage your own relationship with yourself. So in building that self-love, understanding self-care is taking a look behind you sometimes to look what's going on in your luggage and to help organize it the best way you know how by accessing resources. For some folks, that means going to therapy, but not everybody. It's just about looking at what practices are going to help you feel the best about yourself within relationship with other people. I notice even when talking about that, I'm talking about the individual Mm -hmm. because if we're focused on ourselves and if we're working on ourselves, we show up differently for folks. Uh, I recently got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And my fiance and I have these conversations constantly that we both had experiences in prior relationships where we were not showing up as our best selves, Yeah, you know, and there were unhealthy and toxic elements happening in former relationships. It's funny that when we met each other, 
we had done our work mm-hmm. and it shows with our relationship with ourselves. Not to say there isn't, there aren't bumps in the road, but we are so much more cognizant and self-aware with each other. Um, and every adult person deserves to have that experience um, in their relationships and in their friendships. Yes. I love that you talked about kind of doing the work and really focusing on bringing your whole best self Mm -hmm. to your relationships. I think that's so important because it's so easy to kind of seek that wholeness or that validation from our relationships. But if you can't have that from yourself to begin with, it's going to be really, really hard for that relationship to thrive and be healthy. It is. And I I also want to put out there, especially to, because I think shame shows up so much in this work too, Mm. that we are socialized to seek that love and acceptance in relationships. I want the person who's listening going, oh my gosh, I do that, to not panic. Mm -mm. Yes. (laughs) This is not your fault. Mm -mm. You know, there's no, there's no blaming and shaming in this, Mm. but just recognizing that there's a lot that we're socialized to think and feel from TV, movies, reality TV shows, magazines, books that, t- that sometimes tell us you need to seek that relationship and it'll fulfill you. Mm-hmm. When we're, re- we're trying to kind of redirect that to say, you know what, there's actually a lot you can do to fulfill yourself. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's tough and it's unpopular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough work. But it's, I can't explain enough how worthy we are of yes. having that journey and how fulfilling it is to go through it. Oh, yes, wholeheartedly. I think that's so important because as you had said, kind of our relationships, we carry them around like invisible luggage. And when you Mm -hmm. think of it that way, I don't know, when I think of luggage, when traveling, it's like I have to take it everywhere with me. I have to keep tabs on it. It's heavy. You know what I mean? And if if you don't (laughs) have it in check, that, that is just, it's really heavy to carry around and it's really heavy to carry onto the people in your life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've also found just kind of from personal experience that sometimes um, when you are in a space of maybe focusing more on, on yourself to kind of bring that best self to the relationships in your life, and it doesn't even have to be romantic relationships, but sometimes that can make people really uncomfortable. Was that something that you experienced when you were doing the work of of really focusing on yourself um, because I'm personally in a, in that space right now. And I'm finding when I talk about that with people, it makes people feel kind of uncomfortable. And I'd yes, love to talk about that. Yes. And yes, again. Yeah. Uh, again, I have a, I actually have a blog post on how to end a toxic friendship, mm. not what's a toxic friendship. Yeah. Or if you're thinking about, no, end it's it. about ending <laughs> I've had several experiences in my adult life of having to end these friendships that are not healthy, that are one-sided, that have an extreme passive aggressiveness. Um, It's, and it is hard for a lot of us to talk about because I don't know about you, but after you graduate from an academic institution, it is very difficult to find friends as an adult, to access friends, and to maintain healthy friendships. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to just kind of reflect on if our friendships are satisfying, if they are pointing us in the right direction, if they feel supportive, and if they're not, what do you want to do about it? And sometimes that means 
having to end a friendship that's been happening for many years, Mm -hmm. you know, or having to have a really hard conversation with somebody who's your friend um, and seeing how they take that in, you know, because sometimes you can have that conversation and it still ends, you know, when we talk about having those healthy boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's difficult. It's very difficult work, but it comes back to what am I getting out of this friendship? And the fir- one of the first things I actually say in the blog for folks to explore is, what would your life be like if the friendship was over? Mm-hmm. Just imagine it. Mm-hmm. If you're noticing you're less stressed, you're relieved, that may be a really key indicator that something different needs to happen with this friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly. And we'll make sure we have that post linked in the show notes as well Ooh, yes. so that our listeners can go check it out. Um, but that is a powerful, powerful question. And one thing that you brought up there that I would love to touch on is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Boundaries, something that can be so hard to draw boundaries and also hard to kind of stick to our guns when it comes to maintaining boundaries. Um, I would love to maybe talk to you about what boundaries can look like in a self-care practice, maybe some advice for women who are having a hard time really drawing and sticking to boundaries, what they can do. Yes. Les, I'm glad you said that two-parter because everything's Mm -hmm. a process. Mm -hmm. Nothing is black and white. It's thinking about what your boundaries are, what boundaries do you need to set, the practice of setting those boundaries, and then the work of maintaining boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, The first two parts of that, identifying what your boundaries are, what you need to set boundaries, and then setting them, that's the work of yourself. That's individual work. That's really important to do. It's that third part, maintaining boundaries, that actually have to do with the relationship. Mm -hmm. When I emphasize maintaining boundaries, if you notice someone or something coming in between your boundaries or impacting that, Of course, vocalizing, saying, having statements um, to recognize when that boundary has been crossed is great. That's that's part of that work. The other part is the other person or other thing needs to respect that. Yes, wholeheartedly. When that doesn't occur and that's happening on a regular basis, we have to have a different conversation sometimes. And I say that specifically for relationships, friendships, intimate relationships family relationships. It's the holidays. Okay. Mm, yes. We've got to set these boundaries with our family members, honey. It's okay. Yes. You know, if you don't want to talk about your personal relationship or your dating or this or that with your auntie or your play cousin, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's again, having that full practice of identifying, setting and maintaining boundaries. But when you notice that you're trying your best to maintain boundaries in a relationship, and they're not being respected, again, something else may need to occur. Something else may need to happen. You know, and I, I like to say, especially when uh, I was having other dating relationships, hey, I noticed I talked to you about this last time. You know, I'd like to bring it all the way up. Mm-hmm. I noticed I talked to you <laughs> about this last time, and this same thing is occurring. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to happen? Mm. You know, and that, I know that sometimes takes courage and confidence, but again, we are so worth it. Yes. We're worth having that conversation. And if that person is choosing, because it's a choice, if that person is choosing not to respect your boundaries, oh, well, I'm going to choose to go over here where it's safe because mm. I need my boundaries respected. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So again, that's a process. It's not as easy as that as those steps. So I don't want to simplify it so much. Yeah. It can be very difficult to have those conversations, but I want to put out that core work because mm-hmm. especially when we're starting relationships, that's when boundaries are the most effective. When you've known somebody for 10, 15 years and they're still not maintaining your boundaries, it's much more difficult to carry out that process. I just want to make sure that's out, out there in the universe. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you bring that up and it almost makes me change my mindset a little bit of like when I set boundaries and making sure kind of upfront before you get Mm -hmm. in a long, you know, partnership or have someone in your life for a long time, how much harder it is to set boundaries down the road that, you know, start with those intentions, start with boundaries from the beginning um, and communicate early and often. Yes. And to put another plug about the self-love and self-care, that work is easier to do when you know yourself really well. Yes. Oh, such a good, such a good point. And I would also love to talk to you more about your journals. So self-explore, self-restore, which we will also have linked in the show notes. so Our audience can go check it out because it's a wonderful resource. Um, Can you tell us what inspired you to create the journal and why journaling can be such a powerful act of self-care? Yes. I I created the journal from the work that I did with survivors um, of domestic violence Um, A lot of the journal prompts and the concepts you'll see that are in the journal were actually discussions we had in our group setting Mm -hmm. uh, about how to love yourself, how how to identify and have safe relationships, how to instill hope, identifying your internal strengths. A lot of that work was done in the group that I had. And I absolutely love this journal as a place to start with self-care, to start with journaling because it's all about you. It's all about you. And this journal gives you permission to focus on yourself. I've also seen other guided journals in different spaces that were really complicated, Mm -hmm. um, that were many, many, many pages. And I knew I didn't feel satisfied or complete when I had so much work to do. So my journal is way more simplified. It's a starting place. The journal prompts are much shorter. Nothing's more than a page. And you can do it on your own time. You can do one journal prompt a day. You can check in with yourself every week. You can fill out the whole book in a day if you want to. But the reason it's titled Self-Explore, Self-Restore, is because you get to choose what your journey looks like Mm. and you're able to practice journaling and reflecting. There's lists, prompts, there's ability to draw, create maps. You just create your own creative space. And hopefully as you're creating the journal, you're actually learning how to practice self-care. You're identifying different ways um, to actually engage in self-care because there's different prompts that ask you um, questions about your self-care needs you're kind of doing a self-care assessment even when practicing this journal because there's some prompts that you may have to pause and think about, other prompts you may do right away. So it's an entire experience of self-awareness with this journal. Um, And as we've been talking about today, if that's something that you're needing support with, this is the perfect book, little booklet to take with you um, Mm -hmm. and do that work with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Journaling is something that can be so powerful because one, it's it's accessible. You know, it's it's something that is is pretty simple for anyone to do. But I find that I 
am able to understand myself and articulate myself so much better and express myself with a pen and a piece of paper and mm-hmm. with just getting my thoughts out that way than I am trying to, to speak them or explain myself. And I think that that's so powerful and a wonderful resource that you've created to help people do that. Thank you. Journaling has been my go-to coping skill. Yeah. Especially when I'm having the heaviest of emotions, disappointment, sadness, grief. It helps me organize my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes folks think journaling is a much more narrative process where you're creating a story even. And it's, it doesn't have to be that you can make a list. Yeah. I'm feeling this, 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 and this, and I want to do this, 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 and this to stop it. That's journaling. Mm -hmm. Boom. Right there. It's, it doesn't have to be very complicated and journaling can be very simple Uh, and it's, it can be private. I love that I can be in an airport, a waiting room in my office and I can be having my own experience journaling and regulating myself in the moment. Um, and I can carry that around with me easily and just pop it out and do that work and feel better. It's mm-hmm. really been helpful for me. I love that you brought up the fact that you can really do it anywhere and that it is a private mm-hmm. practice of if you're having feelings, if you're having things happen inside, being able to release it and let it go anywhere, but in a way that is still kind of private and letting you kind of do the work for yourself. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yes. So kind of piggybacking off of that, um, what are some of your favorite personal self-care practices? I know journaling oh. definitely is one of them. Um, definitely. But how have they changed over time and as you've done this work? Mm-hmm. I, I love lif- listening to podcasts mm-hmm. like Balanced Black Girl. <laughs> Thank you. I, especially during my commute. My commute yes. has become actually like my self-care zone. Mm. Um, whether having some really nice calming smells, like I love eucalyptus and lavender. Mixing those two, oh my gosh. Yeah. Instant calm for Michelle, yes. <laughs> um, so definitely listening to podcasts that relate to my self-care needs. One of my really big self-care needs right now is my physical self-care. Like, like many other women of color, I did not have access to practicing physical self-care. Mm-hmm. And in my late 20s, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. I'm determined to figure it out. Um, so I love listening to podcasts like yours and learning about how to have proper nutrition and exercise and stretching. Yeah. Those are my main highlights now. I also love reading mm-hmm. um, when I have time to read, because again, time, yeah. but <laughs> have, reading personal development books. I love hearing other people's stories of self-discovery as my own inspiration um, and going through with that process. A book I've been reading lately is called The Empath Experience by mm-hmm. Cindy Campbell's. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's amazing um, to, to learn and to experience other people's journeys. Again, it's just inspiring for me and making time for my loved ones. Mm-hmm. It's that's super important. I try and make time for my friends, my fiance and my, and my family as much as I can uh, by scheduling things. My friends here in Atlanta, we actually try and have movie night once a week. Mm, I love um, that. Yes. And it's, and we try and pick like a series of movies so we can stay consistent right now. We're trying to watch Rocky since. <laughs> yeah. So, 
we're trying to get that going, but we, we all put in the effort to try and make time for each other for a couple hours once a week. So Mm -hmm. having that routine and that practice, uh, all of those are my favorite self-care routines right now. Those were so good. You know what I love about that, Michelle, is that it's, you're using self-care to enhance things that are already happening in your life, turning your commute into self-care, which for me, I was taking notes while you were talking and like circled and underlined because commuting has always been a huge anxiety trigger for me. So I'm like, oh my gosh, turn commuting into self-care. Duh. That's, that's brilliant. Or seeing times with your friends and with your loved ones as self-care and and creating activities that feel like self-care and soul care is incredible because then it kind of takes the, it takes the time worry out of it. When we can make things that we're already doing in our Mm -hmm. daily lives feel like we're taking care of ourselves. That's right. Then we don't have to worry about something taking up too much time. That's right. That's right. And that getting creative. One of yeah. the things we do best yeah. is, is using our creativity and commuting is definitely one. If, if there's ways you can safely access your different senses, mm-hmm. right? Have your favorite playlist on, or I love to call a loved one um, while I'm ta- and talk to them as I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another great one. Having those great scents yeah. Are, are, are really good too. And a lot of times our cars are the only times we have privacy. Yeah. If you have a family or if you're in a relationship, you're, you have roommates, you work in an office setting. So treasure that privacy that you have as well. Commuting is one of my favorite things to talk about for self-care. So I could go on for days. I love that. <laughs> oh man, we may need to like revisit that or do yes. a, a part two or a collab or something. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's an amazing idea. And I also love what you touched on about, um, like the fitness and nutrition piece, because yes. it is hard. And it's something that so few of us, I mean, I know for myself included, we weren't really taught. It's, it's something that you have to, I don't want to say figure out for yourself because there are so many resources available, but it's something that you do kind of have to seek out for yourself if, mm-hmm. if it's not um, something that you grew up with. And I can totally relate to that and, right. and love that that's a priority for you. I may be biased, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you've got to watch your Instagram videos. I learned so much in your videos. Oh, Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> you know, but it's educational. Thank you so much. I of really course. appreciate that. Um, so, Michelle, it's time for my favorite question. My favorite mm-hmm. question is, I guess, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? Hmm. Being a balanced Black girl means being compassionate with myself and my journey. Mm. I'm going to have ups and downs and I need to remember that's okay. Um, And that a lot of the downs are temporary, even when the ups are temporary. I just need to make sure I'm recognizing that I deserve compassion and I have to be patient with my journey and my process. I love that. Um, And I love that you said that both the downs and the ups are both temporary because Mm -hmm. that's such important perspective that can be so easy to lose, to feel like when you're down and out that that's going to be forever, to feel like when you're on and up (laughs) that it's going to be like that forever. And and having that grounding perspective, I think is so important. 
Mm -hmm. I think your attitude and your outlook can really impact both of those experiences. And it, again, it's a process. We all have those ups and downs, but can I not think it's the end of the world when I have this down? Mm -hmm. It's, it's practicing that. And I'm working on that. Like I know so many other people are. Oh, I I know I am too, for sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. So Michelle, how can our audience keep in touch with you? I know they're all going to absolutely love you after listening to this episode. Where can we find you to keep in touch? Yes, on social media, on Instagram in particular, um, I'm at TheGMichelle. And you can also check out my website, www.gmichelle.com. I put up weekly blog posts based on self-care that I absolutely love. They're exploratory and there's tips and tricks you can use um, to explore and enhance your own self-care plan there. And I try and do pretty regular social media posts about inspiration and about self-care that I hope you guys will enjoy. Yes. Wonderful. And we'll have all of that information linked in the show notes as well so that everyone can find your blog, your socials, and also um, so that they can find the journal as well. Yes. It's the holiday season. Feel free to get a journal for yourself or for a loved one. Um, Self-Explore, Self-Restore is available on Amazon right now. Perfect. Yes. We'll have all of that linked. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. I loved this conversation. I loved, I mean, I feel like I got so much and learned so much through talking to you and I know it's going to be incredibly valuable. Thank you so much, Les. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for just having me and for holding this space for us balanced Black girls. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate having you all, you all be here because it's really, it's about the community and it's about Mm -hmm. the voices. So couldn't do it without y'all. Yay! (laughs) Thank you.